What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Happy that you guys are spending a little bit of your Friday with me on this Feel Good Friday episode of the podcast, man. This is going to be a pretty short episode because the Steelers and the Buccaneers play, so I don't want to take up too much time. I want to see my Steelers play because it's been a very long time since I last watched the Pittsburgh Steelers play football, man. But on today's episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my thoughts on CJ Stroud's debut, which was really shaky. My takeaways from the Texans, Patriots, and Seattle Seahawks and Minnesota Vikings preseason matchups. Before we get into it, if you haven't already, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday around 5 p.m. Eastern time. Remember that we're not just available on YouTube. You can find the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. If you like the channel and you want to support the podcast, all you got to do is give us a five-star review. We're trying to get to 100 five-star reviews on Apple before the start of the NFL and college football seasons. We We currently have 75-star reviews, so go ahead. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to support, leave us with a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All you got to do is type in a JT Sports Podcast and it will pop up. Or you can go down to the description down below, scroll down a little bit, and there will be the links to the Apple and Spotify versions of the podcast. You know, the Twitter trolls really got to me last night because there were people already claiming that C.J. Stroud is a bust. He's another Ohio State with that quarterback, another Ohio State quarterback that was good in college and sucks in the NFL. And I really got pissed off, man. Like, you guys don't know how heated I was on Twitter going back and forth with these trolls. And I know that I shouldn't have spent too much time worrying about those trolls because I think most people who have realistic expectations aren't tripping off C.J. Stroud's shaky debut that he had in the Houston Texans preseason opener against the Patriots. He went 204, 13 passing yards, and had one interception. And honestly, like, I don't even think he played bad at all. He played how you expect a rookie to play in their first NFL action. And the interception that he threw was when he was trying to hit Tank Dell, who has been his go-to wide receiver throughout training camp up to this point. And of course, when you have a wide receiver that you have a lot of likeness towards and somebody who is your number one target, of course, you're going to try to force the ball to them in situations where you shouldn't. And C.J. Stroud was trying to hit Tank Dell on what I believe was either a corner route or an out route. And he threw the ball a little bit too late. And Jalen Mills made a good read on the play and he picked it off. That's what you expect from a rookie. That is a rookie mistake. And I was hoping that we would see a little bit more of C.J. Stroud in this game. I was a little bit disappointed that D'Amico Ryans took him out a little bit early. Because you see with C.J. Stroud... I feel like he got to get his feet wet a little bit more. You ever went to a pool and you go to stick your feet in the pool and the water's cold as hell and you put one of these, you stick your feet in, you go, oh, I ain't going in there. And somebody got to push you in the pool to get in. They got to force you to get wet. Like, I feel like the Houston Texans 
should have let CJ Stroud really get deep in the water, man. They didn't even let CJ Stroud get enough time to really get his feet wet. People were saying, man, like CJ Stroud got enough playing time to get his feet wet. Like you call the few drives that CJ Stroud was in getting his feet wet because I don't call it getting his feet wet at all. I call it dipping his toes a little bit briefly in the pool. Now, after the game was over, during the press conference, CJ Stroud said that he really wanted to go back out there and make up for his mistake. But D'Amico Ryans was like, you know, that's just part of the preseason, the growing pains, you can learn from it. And I actually think that D'Amico Ryans not allowing CJ Stroud to go in for more drives was actually a good thing now that I think about it. Because, yeah, you could have thrown CJ Stroud back out there for a couple of more drives, allow him to continue to get some experience. But I think taking him out does a little bit more because you allow him to think on it. And now, when the Houston Texans play their next preseason matchup, he's going to be even more eager to have a good performance. So I think that not allowing C.J. Stroud to re-enter the game and allowing him to think on that interception and allowing him to think on that mistake is actually a really good thing that D'Amico Ryans did. And C.J. Stroud, I'm not tripping on his preseason debut. I still think that he's going to have a fantastic career. And I think that there are a good amount of positives to take away from C.J. Stroud's preseason performance. First of all, his offensive line, whoever the hell they had starting for him, those guys need to be replaced ASAP. Because if those are the offensive linemen who are the Houston Texans backups, you better hope that everybody on that offensive line is able to stay fully healthy because if not, it's going to be a crapshoot back there. I mean, that offensive line has C.J. Stroud running for his life. If you were one of the people who were questioning if C.J. Stroud was still going to have that willingness to run the football like he displayed in the semifinal game against Georgia, your questions were answered because C.J. Stroud was looking like the light-skinned Lamar Jackson out there. There's no way you can tell me that C.J. Stroud wasn't looking good when he was running the football I think CJ Stroud may be a way better athlete than what most people were giving him credit for because the way he was running he kind of looks like he runs a four or six don't he like CJ Stroud has some serious wheels on him and hopefully we can see more of his mobility maybe on some design quarterback runs read options at some point throughout this season but the offensive line didn't really do him any favors but when he did have time he looked pretty comfortable in the pocket. He was going through his reads. He was making progressions. It's just that the throw that he tried to make the Tank Dell was ill-advised. He never should have tried to force that pass. But I think since C.J. Stroud has such a good relationship with Tank Dell, that was a big reason why he decided to go ahead and pull the trigger anyway. And obviously, after he made the throw, you could tell by his facial expression when he was walking towards the sideline after the play was over that he obviously wanted it back. But I think C.J. Stroud is going to be perfectly fine. For all you Twitter trolls out there, congratulations. You won. You got the best of me on Twitter because I absolutely lost my cool on Twitter last night. Because you guys know how much I love C.J. Stroud, man. I want this dude to succeed so bad. Like, I got so tired of people coming for C.J. Stroud after they lost to Michigan. Questioning this dude's toughness. Questioning this dude's ability to be an elite quarterback. Like, 
I'm really rooting for CJ Stroud to succeed so bad. You guys don't know how much of a fan I am of CJ Stroud. And when he threw that interception, I already knew I was going to be in for a very long night. But if you're a Texans fan, I think most of you guys should be pretty cool. Nobody should really be overreacting to one preseason game. CJ Stroud, over the last couple of days of training camp prior to this game, has had some really good performances. He started to pull himself away from Davis Mills. And I think that CJ Stroud in the next preseason game is going to look a lot much better. I think that he looked pretty calm in the pocket. And I think under pressure, which is something that many people had criticisms about C.J. Stroud with how he handles pressure, I didn't think he was too bad. You know, he was able to get outside the pocket, pick up yards, attempt to extend plays, but the offensive line in front of him just completely failed him. And when he got sacked on that first time, I was a little bit concerned. I was like, oh, I hope he ain't injured. I hope he ain't injured. Like, this is my problem with these preseason games. If you're going to put your rookie quarterback out there and you expect your rookie quarterback to start week one, don't put him behind a trash offensive line full of backups. Bro, this is your franchise QB. Protect this man. You shouldn't have third stringers and second stringers blocking for him in the preseason. I know that Houston was down three starters, but damn, you telling me you had nobody better to put there? Honestly, like, you could have gotten C.J. Stroud hurt out there, D'Amico Ryans. Y'all got to do better with the offensive line. Give my guy C.J. Stroud some time to cook because I promise you, C.J. Stroud is one of those quarterbacks that once he gets in rhythm and once he gets locked in, he becomes a dog. And when he gets hot, he's really hard to stop. So I'm hoping that in the Houston Texans next preseason matchup that my dude C.J. Stroud gets way better protection because his offensive line didn't do him no favors. And the fact that he was only on the field for a short period of time doesn't really give us a lot of things to talk about because you would love to see how he would have responded after that mistake. But, you know... I don't think anybody should really be flipping out trying to label C.J. Stroud a bust because of one preseason performance. And the Patriots are really good against rookie quarterbacks, albeit it was the preseason and Bill Belichick isn't really showing nothing crazy. Imagine if this was the regular season. <sighs> okay, things could have gotten a little bit worse than what they looked like last night. You shouldn't be concerned about C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has A1 work ethic, and also he really wants the opportunity to make up for, you know, that mistake that he made. I think that next preseason or the next preseason game that the Texans play in, C.J. Stroud is going to have a way better performance. But if you're trying to label C.J. Stroud a bust after one preseason game come on now dog y'all gotta cut it out come man. on man like i don't know if y'all are trolls michigan fans or just haters of cj stroud you just have this weird fetish with seeing people fail i don't get why cj stroud was getting so much criticism on twitter when he only played a couple of downs in one preseason game this is what y'all do Y'all try to judge somebody off one preseason game? Didn't Patrick Mahomes have a preseason game when he threw hell of interceptions? 
Like, didn't he have a preseason game when he kind of struggled early in his career? Like, we act like rookie quarterbacks go into the preseason and they're just completely flawless. Like, some of y'all really got to chill out on the head rate that y'all drinking towards CJ Stroud. I tell you guys this every single day. That haterade is not good for you. You need to put that crap down. It's not good for your lungs. Go drink some water and come back with a different mindset when it comes to evaluating C.J. Stroud. Imagine if we were to judge every single quarterback based on their first game. Do you know how many QBs people would already have given up on that turned out to have really great careers? I'm not worried about C.J. Stroud's shaky performance in his preseason debut and if you're a texans fan you shouldn't be concerned either and learn from me don't get into it with the cj stroud trolls on twitter because all you're doing is wasting your time i don't know why i spent 30 to 40 minutes of my life arguing with trolls on twitter but that's just how much i love cj stroud when i'm really passionate about a player like i would defend them like i know them personally I don't know why, but I really just want to see C.J. Stroud succeed. And it didn't really sit right with me just allowing people to call this man a bust. You can't call somebody a bust based on what college they came from. C.J. Stroud, for all we know, he could have a way better career than any other Ohio State quarterback that has entered the NFL. Like, there was a stigma that Alabama quarterbacks weren't good. Two was pretty solid, and Bryce Young could be really good also. You can't judge a quarterback based on one game or what college they get drafted from. That's stupid. So I'm not stressing over C.J. Stroud having a rocky start to the preseason. I think that he's going to shake back, and I think that he's going to look way better next week in the Texans' next preseason game. The Houston Texans beat the New England Patriots, man, and Tangdell has pretty much solidified himself as the Texans' best receiver. And before you tell me, man, JT, it's just one preseason game. Tandell has been snapping for the Houston Texans in training camp and even in OTAs and minicamp. This isn't something that has came out as a surprise. Like, I've been telling you guys for the last couple of months that Tandell was going to be a stud. He was targeted eight times, caught five passes for 65 receiving yards and he caught a touchdown right before halftime and what really impressed me the most about Tank Dell was that he was doing this lining up primarily on the outside now they also moved him in the slot but the biggest concern that most people had about Tank Dell was his size he came out 5'8 165 pounds around draft time now obviously he probably has gained a little bit more weight but with him being a little bit undersized for the receiver position, you weren't expecting to see Tandell lining up as an outside receiver. But he was, and he was damn good last night. He was rounding up Jack Jones, and Jack Jones had a really good rookie season. Do your research on Jack Jones. He picked off Aaron Rodgers last year. He's projected to be a starting cornerback for New England this year, and he's supposed to be really good this season. They are expecting him to have a breakout season, but Dell was giving him a lot of problems. And like I was telling you guys around draft time, great wide receivers normally are really good route runners. If you want to judge how good a receiver possibly could be coming out of college, 
Look at how good they run routes. Look at how great they are at creating separation. That's what some of the best wide receivers in the NFL are good at doing. Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson. What do they all have in common? Fantastic route running and the ability to create a lot of separation from defenders. And that's what Tank Dell does well. Anytime you have a receiver that runs great routes and gets off the line with ease, they normally tend to have really good careers. And that's what we saw out of Tank Dell in this game. And before halftime, on that last drive that the Texans had before they ended up scoring, he pretty much was targeted nearly every play during that drive by Davis Mills. Tank Dell. I think it's pretty safe to label him the best receiver on the Houston Texans roster. Now, we didn't see Robert Woods, and obviously you got John Mechie, and you got a couple of other wide receivers that can still emerge and prove themselves, but Tane Dell, not just was he the best wide receiver in this game for Houston, but he probably has been the best receiver for Houston all throughout training camp. I think sooner rather than later, Tank Dell is going to emerge as the unquestioned best receiver on the Houston Texans roster. And if you're somebody who plays fantasy football, you better make sure that you go ahead and grab up Tank Dell before he goes off for another great preseason performance and you can no longer get him because I think that he's going to have a really phenomenal rookie season. Now, the Texans, as I alluded to earlier... Their interior offensive line, they need some new backups, bro, because C.J. Stroud damn near got killed out there. When C.J. Stroud went down for that sack, I was looking at the TV and I was yelling at D'Amico Ryans from my TV screen telling him to take C.J. Stroud out before you get him hurt back there, man. Those backup offensive linemen that the Houston Texans had blocking for C.J. in this game are going to get somebody hurt. If you lose Shaq Mason or whoever else you have as your starters on, you know, the offensive line when it comes to offensive guard and at the center position, you're in trouble, bro, because these backups are not good. And I understand that you can't expect starting caliber play out of your backup interior offensive lineman, but you're not expecting those guys to just let whoever's on the defensive line get a free shot at the QB because that's pretty much what we saw last night. Anytime the Houston Texans wanted to throw the football back there, C.J. Stroud had a crowd of Patriots defensive linemen trying to break his neck. I mean, this dude was sitting back there looking like light-skinned Lamar Jackson out there, man. Can C.J. Stroud get some solid protection out there? Can D'Amico Ryans and their offensive coordinator put some better backups on the field? Because if that's what Houston is working with, as their second string offensive line, they're going to be in a lot of trouble if somebody gets hurt, man. For real, they're going to get somebody killed back there, man. If C.J. Stroud is going to start next week, make sure that he's having the first team offensive line blocking for him. I know that Houston has some guys out with injuries, but just put some better people out there to block for the brother, man. Are you trying to get C.J. Stroud injured during the preseason? Because it sure looks like it with the offensive line play that we saw blocking for him. I mean, Davis Mills and Case Keenum seemed like they had a little bit better protection than what C.J. Stroud had. I mean, gosh, get some better protection out there for C.J. Stroud, please, please. Now, when it comes to the quarterback play, Davis Mills and Case Keenum, 
They looked really good. Davis Mills, especially. 9 of 12, 99 passing yards in the touchdown. Even though Davis Mills is going to be C.J. Stroud's backup, he still is auditioning for the opportunity to potentially get traded to another team. And maybe he could be in a situation where with a new team, he has the opportunity to potentially get another chance to start as a quarterback in this league again. And the preseason isn't just the audition for, you know, a roster spot or trying to win a position battle. You're also putting film on tape for other teams to watch. And Davis Mills had a really good game. He was really good, really accurate, made good decisions with the ball. And Case Keenum wasn't too bad neither. But you expect Case Keenum to have the kind of performance that he did in that game because he's a veteran. He's been in the NFL for several years. He's been on a lot of teams. He's had a good amount of success in certain places, i.e. with the Minnesota Vikings when he led them to the playoffs. So you expect Case Keenum to have a really good preseason performance given his experience. Now, the defense overall for Houston looked really good there wasn't really any individual player that I could single out because everybody looked really good I think the secondary played really well even though they did give up a really big play to Tyquan Thornton but outside of that I really like what I saw out of Houston's defense Will Anderson although he didn't really get a lot of snaps and we didn't really get to see him that much he had a couple of plays that made you go, okay, okay, I see why Houston traded back up to draft him. He has rare athleticism. This dude is crazy athletic with fantastic strength. I think that the Houston Texans, like I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, are going to have a top 10 defense. And what I saw in the preseason out of the linebacker unit and the secondary really impressed me. So these are my takeaways from the Houston Texans preseason win over the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, they lost to the Texans 20 to 9. And, you know, there was a really special performance that we saw in this game. And his name was Malik Cunningham, aka Malik Air Cunningham. Because when Malik Cunningham was in the game, he was looking a lot like Lamar Jackson and Steve Air McNair. Now, I don't know how many of you people remember Steve McNair. You got to be an OG fan of the NFL to remember Steve McNair. But that's kind of the player that Malik Cunningham kind of reminds me of. He reminds me of a blend of Lamar and Steve McNair. And he only had limited opportunity to be in the game as a quarterback. They had Trace McSorley in over him. And obviously, after this game, Trace McSorley should be demoted to the last quarterback on the death chart behind Malik Cunningham after this performance. 304, 19 passing yards. He was robbed of a touchdown because Trey Nixon dropped one. It was a fantastic throw by Malik Cunningham. He gets outside the pocket and he throws a dime. And it was just a beautiful, well-thrown and well-placed ball where only Trey Nixon could get it with a defender draped all over him. And yet he drops it. But yet Malik Cunningham was still able to get a touchdown and was able to get some points on the board for New England because he's a really dynamic runner. And if you watch him at Louisville, you were probably comparing him to Lamar Jackson. You probably were saying that he was Lamar Jackson's 2.0. If Lamar Jackson had a long lost cousin, you probably think it would be Malik Cunningham. And 
What really impressed me the most out of Malik Cunningham's performance is that he had Bill Belichick smirking on the sidelines. How often do we see Bill Belichick smile on the sideline, especially during a preseason game? Like, Bill Belichick was so happy to see Malik Cunningham going off. And anytime you see Bill Belichick smile, like, I don't get how it doesn't put a smile on your face. Because how often do we see Bill Belichick smile? That's very rare. Looking forward to seeing what Malik Cunningham does for the next couple of preseason outings that we see him in. Now, they are playing him at wide receiver also. So maybe he ends up being a gadget player for New England. Maybe he ends up becoming a full-time wideout for the Patriots. But I would like to see him playing a little bit more quarterback because I definitely think having Malik Cunningham on your roster as a QB will give you an advantage when it comes to scout team with all these dual-threat quarterbacks that the Patriots have to match up against now. Malik Cunningham will give you a good look on the scout team. And then when you look at how... Bailey Zappi played he played pretty well in this game also 12 of 14 79 passing yards he got sacked a few times but he made really good decisions with the ball he also like how when the play wasn't there he didn't try to force anything he didn't try to create anything he just threw the ball away so there's been a lot of growing that we've seen out of Bailey Zappi over the course of this offseason and we saw that growth in this preseason game now, obviously, he's not going to be challenging Mac Jones for the starting quarterback spot because Mac Jones didn't even play in this game at all. So obviously, that shows us that Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick have seen enough out of Mac Jones that they pretty much have named him the starter. Not really officially, but you can kind of tell with him not participating in this game that they kind of have seen enough out of Mac Jones. Now, we will see him in the preseason at some point. We got to see how he looks in real game action. But Bailey Zappi has looked pretty impressive. And maybe Malik Cunningham, he makes the team, he becomes the Patriots backup. And maybe they can flip Bailey Zappi for a fourth or fifth round pick because there's a team that doesn't really have their backup quarterback situation settled and they're looking for a last minute fix there maybe they could trade Bailey Zappi before week one of the regular season defensively though the New England Patriots defensive line bruh they have ridiculous depth ridiculous depth I mean oh my god they were getting pressure on CJ Stroud nearly every time he dropped back the pass and same thing for some of the other quarterbacks who were behind center. Now, although the offensive line play did get a little bit better for Houston as the game progressed, you had rookie Keon White, who was wrecking absolute havoc, bruh. They were lining this dude up everywhere on defense. This dude is a freak defensive lineman. And one thing that Bill Belichick does a very good job at is drafting really good defensive linemen. It doesn't matter if he drafts them in the first round, the second round, seventh round. Bill Belichick just has an eye for finding good interior defensive linemen. And Keon White might be the next stud on the Patriots defensive line. This dude is a freaking freak, man. He was everywhere, causing havoc, getting pressure on the QB. Like, oh my God. Like, this Patriots defensive line may be a tad underrated going into this season. This is one of the better defensive lines in the NFL, and they get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. 
And imagine if Matthew Judon would have played in this game or Christian Ballmore would have suited up for a lot of snaps in this game. It kind of would have gotten a little bit ugly for C.J. Stroud. Now, Jalen Mills was my player of the game, even though the Patriots didn't win. If they were giving out player of the game awards, I would have gave it to Jalen Mills because he made a really nice interception on C.J. Stroud. Really good read, and he made some nice plays around the line of scrimmage also. And he's trying to compete for a starting job on this Patriots defense. And you got to be really impressed with what you saw out of Jalen Mills, the Green Goblin, in this game. Now, I got a big concern with the Patriots running back depth. Behind Rahamdre Stevenson, they don't really have anybody that has shown any promise that they can be a number two option behind him. And there's a reason why they've been flirting with signing Dalvin Cook and having interest in Leonard Fournette. And you can see that in this game that their running back position is lacking depth. And one thing about Bill O'Brien is that he puts a lot of emphasis on running the football. And over the last couple of years, the Patriots have always had two or three running backs on the roster that has certain roles. They'll have the RB1, and then they'll have an RB2 who gets a lot of carries up the middle, and then they'll have a scat back who's good at catching passes out of the backfield. But you don't really know if you have a lot of running backs on this roster at this moment who are able to fill those roles. I don't think they have a clear-cut number two right now behind Stevenson, and I don't even know if they have a great pass-catching option at running back. The Patriots running back depth is a little concerning and I, I expect them to sign the running back within the next couple of days. Now, I don't know if they're going to sign Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette, but they need an extra body in that running back room because what I saw last night outside of Rahamdre, it's looking really thin at running back for New England. The Minnesota Vikings lost to Seattle in the preseason and you know, if you was watching this game and you wanted to see how improved this Vikings secondary was going to be, obviously you were massively disappointed because this secondary couldn't stop anybody. Makai Blackman probably was the best cornerback in this game. Andrew Booth, he struggled. Safety Lewis Seen, he struggled. He was out of position several times and he got ran over twice by Zach Charbonnet. So Lewis Seen... Andrew Booth, those were two guys who if I was giving you guys my winners and losers from this game, they would be in the losers category because they did not look good in this matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, man. And Ivan Pace was probably the best defensive player that I saw in this game for Minnesota. I mean, I don't know how the hell he went undrafted, but this is a dog that the Minnesota Vikings have. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up starting week one. He had six tackles. He was everywhere. He was flying all over the field. Like, I cannot wait to see what Ivan Pace does in his next preseason game. And there's been a lot of great reviews about him coming out of training camp. And there was already a lot of hype when the Minnesota Vikings signed him as a UDFA. Brett Coleman has been really high on him. A lot of people in the NFL drive community have been really high on him as well. Many people believe that he can be a diamond in the rough in this Brian Flores defense. So the defense didn't really give you anything to be too excited about. Now, the offense, when you look at Ty Chandler, I mean, it seems like 
at one point, they were running their offense through him in the preseason. I was like, damn, so they're just going to give Ty Chandler the ball every single play. And he was snapping. He had 11 carries for 41 rushing yards. He also caught a couple of passes. So he's a factor in the run game as well. And when we're trying to figure out who's going to be that RB2 behind Alexander Madison, I don't see how Ty Chandler is in the league. He has really good vision, great balance. He can do it all. Ty Chandler probably was the player of the game for the Minnesota Vikings in this matchup. Jalen Rager, surprisingly, was also really good in this game. He caught five passes for 55 receiving yards. He was doing Kobe Bryant dirty. And Jordan Addison looked really good, even though he only caught one pass. Now, they finessed him out of a other catch that he made on the sidelines. I believe that he got both toes in, but whatever. It was still a very good play, and we're still going to give him a round of applause for it because it should have counted. And what I saw from Jordan Addison in this game was the exact reason why I was so high on him coming out of USC fantastic route runner he has really good acceleration coming off the line and when you watch Jordan Addison I don't know what it is about him but everything is just smooth everything is just so fluid with him there's no wasted motion it's just he gets in and out of his break with good fluidity Jordan Addison is going to be a really good wide receiver this season for Minnesota on the opposite side of Justin Jefferson. And I think he possibly could be an upgrade over Adam Thielen. Younger, more explosive, has way more bounce in this game than Adam Thielen. Jordan Addison is going to be a beast, man, as long as he can't keep himself from, you know, getting into any more off-the-field troubles. I think Jordan Addison is probably going to be in the running for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I'm not saying this just based off one game. I'll also be keeping up with training camp as well. And he's been getting a lot of rave reviews coming out of training camp. So even before this game started, I knew that Jordan Addison probably was going to have a really good season. He's been living up to the hype in training camp. And he's been slicing and dicing up these Minnesota Vikings cornerbacks that obviously still have a lot of improvement that they need to make. And maybe the Vikings should go and sign another corner just to get some more competition in there. Because, yeah, we know that a couple of their starters didn't play, but there are some guys who played in this game who are actually competing for a starting job, such as Andrew Booth and Makai Blackman. And Andrew Booth, he struggled kind of like he did last season. Now, overall... When you think about the Minnesota Vikings preseason performance, I think that there was a lot more good to take from this than it was bad. The secondary obviously was the biggest focus that most people probably were paying attention to given the struggles that they had there last year and they still are going to have their growing pains at that position. But I expect this secondary to get a little bit better throughout the preseason. And you got to remember that the Vikings haven't really unleashed everything that they plan to do. They're trying to hide everything. In the preseason, nobody's showing anything that they're going to run during the regular season because you don't want to give anybody any hints to what to expect from you if they were to play you during the regular season. And Brian Flores, we know that he runs a very aggressive defense. It's going to be a lot of man-to-man, cover zero, cover one. And Makai Blackman, I think, fits a Brian Flores style defense perfectly because Makai Becton, 
or Makai Blackman, excuse me, what does he do very well? He's a very physical corner. He may not be the most physically imposing corner, but when you watch him, he's really good in press coverage, really aggressive in man-to-man -man coverage as well, and I really like what I saw a lot of him in this game. Now, he wasn't outstanding, but I feel like he was pretty decent. And if you were to have to decide, who would you start at cornerback over Andrew Booth or Makai Blackman today? You probably will go with Makai Blackman because he looks like the better cornerback, at least right now, than what Andrew Booth looks like. Andrew Booth was out there struggling, man, struggling mightily. So these are my takeaways from the Vikings preseason loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Let me know some takeaways that you guys have down in the comment section down below. Now, the Seattle Seahawks couldn't do any wrong in their preseason win over the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, Drew Locke was cooking, man, and he might be the future quarterback for Seattle. Geno Smith, we know he's in his 30s. He may not have a lot of years left in the tank. And when he decides to hang it up or retire, I think Drew Locke would probably be the most suitable option to replace him. You probably could make the argument that maybe if he was to start at quarterback, there wouldn't be that huge of a drop-off. Now, of course, we got to see what he does in the regular season game because preseason is way different when it comes to game speed compared to the real NFL regular season, which is where the real action is. But Drew Locke was 17-24. He threw two touchdowns. He did have an interception. But outside of that, he looked really impressive in this game. But the quarterback who was the most impressive to me despite Drew Locke having an incredible performance, was holding the Eiler or Ehlers. And when he came into the game, I was like, bruh, is this Tim Tebow's cousin? And he was running quarterback draws. He was running guys over. He threw a touchdown pass, even though you probably could make the argument that pass interference should have been called on that. When it came to the wide receiver, I think he pushed off a little bit to create some separation, but it's still... Was a incredible play. May not have been the best throw from him, but it was just fun watching Houghton Aylers out there just running guys over. And I just got Tim Tebow vibes from him. And maybe Seattle's going to have some special packages for him. Maybe some short yardage packages that you can utilize him on. Maybe you could utilize his size and athleticism in the red zone. But I think Houghton Aylers is somebody to... Keep an eye on Now, he may not make the roster. Maybe he ends up being a practice squad guy, but I like what I saw out of him. But Zach Charbonnet, ooh, this dude is a tank. When I watched him at UCLA, every time he tote that rock, he had some pass stumping, and he was running somebody over. And he ran Lewis Seen over not once, but twice. And every time he ran Lewisine over, I thought that Lewisine was going to get taken out of the game and sent to the tent for concussion protocol, man, because he was doing Lewisine really dirty. I'm talking about putting that, putting those shoulder pads down and hum, running through Lewisine. And Lewisine isn't just your typical run-in-the-mill safety light. He was a big thumper when he was coming out of Georgia. So running over Lewisine has to give you a lot of rounds of applause, okay? I know there were people saying, man, he ran over a safety, man. What's so impressive about that? Lewisine was a thumper when he was coming out of Georgia. So if you can run over Lewisine, you get a lot of props from me. And he also looked 
pretty good in the passing game. Although he didn't do anything crazy, he demonstrated that he has really soft hands. And my comp for Zach Charbonnet when he was coming out of this year's draft was James Conner. I think he has a pretty similar build to James Conner. They have a similar playing style. And they also have really good hands coming out of the backfield. So Zach Charbonnet really impressed me. His size, his physicality. I was hoping for him to get a little bit more action. He only had four carries for 14 yards. So hopefully we could get a good opportunity in the next preseason game to see him at least get eight to nine carries because this dude is a tank. JSN, he looked very sharp. We didn't see him in this game for that long, but the brief time that he was in, he definitely made his presence felt three catches. He was targeted four times. He caught those three passes and they resulted in 25 receiving yards. He also had a big 15 yard reception as well. He's a smooth route runner. He may not be the most athletically gifted wide receiver, but he's really good at running routes. He's been doing all of the Seattle Seahawks cornerbacks dirty in training camp, including Kobe Bryant, who we're about to touch on in a little bit. Jason, I think he's going to be as good as advertised. And he reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen, but a little bit more explosive. Now, he may not have incredible straight line speed. He's not going to be a wide receiver that he gets into the open field and he's going to burn you. He's not a burner. But this is somebody that has high football IQ. He knows how to get open. He understands, you know, what defensive backs are trying to do, leverage, and where to be in the proper spot when the quarterback's looking to throw the football. So he has high football IQ, really good hands. He's an incredible route runner. He may not be the most athletically gifted wide receiver, but he's a really doggone good receiver. Minus the athleticism. Everything that you want out of a wide receiver, JSN has. And he reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen wasn't the most athletically gifted wide receiver when he was coming out of college, neither. And he still has carved out a pretty good career being one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And I kind of think JSN could be a little bit better. He's a slightly better athlete than what Keenan Allen is. And I think he's a little bit better after the catch than what Keenan is also. So I think that JSN could have a higher ceiling than what Keenan Allen had when he was coming out. And the thing with Keenan Allen is that he struggled to stay on the field with injuries early in his career. JSN, I think he's going to be a more healthier player over the course of his career. I think he's going to take better care of his body. And I think that when you look at DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett lining up on the outside of him, that's going to create opportunities for him. This Seattle Seahawks offense is going to be really nasty. When I had this offense ranked number one on my top 10 offenses going into this year, I got a lot of pushback from it. But when you see the talent that Seattle has on the offense, coupled with how great their offensive line is going to be, a lot of people are about to start changing their tune when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, this defense, their depth when it comes to their front seven, is absolutely ridiculous. And I've been telling you guys, this is why I think Seattle is a better team than the 49ers. The 49ers may have more talent when it comes to their starters, but I don't think they have more depth than Seattle. Seattle has tons of depth on their defensive line and at linebacker. Boye Mafe, 
Second year pass rusher out of Minnesota. He had three and a half sacks as a rookie last year. He was everywhere in this game. He was damn near in the backfield every single play. He had three tackles. He was getting constant pressure in the backfield. I mean, he was a handful for the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. Whoever they have blocking Boye Mafe, I think they need to go ahead and find a better replacement. Either that offensive tackle was god-awful, or Boye Mafe is just a hound. I'm going to go with Boye Mafe was just a hound, and he was too much for that opposing offensive lineman to handle. And he could be somebody who could have a breakout season. Now, there are a lot of talented players ahead of Boye Mafe on this defensive line. But if you're looking for somebody to come in and be a good situational pass rusher, somebody who could possibly give you five, six sacks despite not playing the majority of snaps on defense, Boye Mafe could be your guy. Now, the only negative takeaway that I have from the Seattle Seahawks in this game is Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is not an outside corner. I don't know why Seattle continues to try him as an outside corner, but every time I see him lining up on the outside of that cornerback, he gets cooked every single time. I remember in the preseason last year, he was getting destroyed by George Pickens. George Pickens caught a touchdown on him. George Pickens was bullying Kobe Bryant. Like, Kobe Bryant just isn't a good outside cornerback. I like Kobe Bryant as a slot corner. But as an outside corner, I don't think he's that great. And we saw that in this game. He was getting cooked by Jalen Rager. Even though he got a big hit on him, it's like, what you were celebrating for? It resulted in a penalty. And he still held on to the football. So I don't think Kobe Bryant is an outside cornerback. At least not a very good one. And when I saw him going up against JSN in one-on-ones, he got destroyed. JSN made Kobe Bryant grab grass. So I just don't understand why Seattle continues to play him as an outside corner. Like, I think he's better off as a slot cornerback or either moving him to safety. I don't think he's good on the outside because every time I watch a Seahawks game and I see Kobe Bryant as a boundary corner, he gets cooked every single time. Every wide receiver that was lined up against Kobe Bryant in this game was working him. And if you think I'm lying, go back and watch the film. And I'm pretty sure you Seahawks fans know the team better than I do. But I mean, come on. I think we could all much pretty agree that Kobe Bryant is better just sticking in the nickel or moving him to safety. I don't think he's good on the outside. I don't know what it is, but every time he lines up on the outside, he just gets cooked. But this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Very short episode. NFL preseason action is about to kick off. We got the Steelers and the Bucks. We are about to see Sam Howell play as well. I forgot who the commanders are playing, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Leave a like, subscribe to the channel, leave us with a five-star review if you enjoy the content. Remember, you can find us on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast, and I will see you guys Monday with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.